would you be a priest unto the Almighty? Yet we see people who were considered righteous in God's eyes. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We see this mysterious figure show up in Abraham's life called Melchizedek. We don't see his beginning, we don't see his end. But he was called a, priest, a prince of peace and a high priest. He was both a king and a priest. And there's only one other person in the entire Bible who shares both those titles. And so, we couldn't keep one law in the garden. And we invited sin into this world. And then when Moses comes about, we couldn't keep ten laws. So eventually there were 600 and something laws, and every time you messed up, you need to go to the temple. Offer some doves, or offer a lamb, or offer a calf. So cumbersome. So much to keep up with. To the point to where they even had atonement for the unknown sins he may have committed. I'm not sure if it kept up with the law or not, but you know, just in case. Then Christ came. Think about that. Then Christ came. And he lived a life that kept up with every single day of the law. Not so that he could abolish the law, but that he could fulfill it. Because it turns out what we didn't recognize in the law is that it was all prophecies pointing toward him. The perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb, the perfect calf, the perfect dove. We see all the symbology through his life of the dove coming down on him at his baptism to be the lamb that is slaughtered for salvation. He paid every atonement that needed to be paid. So Paul's like, okay, Jews, listen up. Gentiles, get ready. Because this is the start right here. Y'all had the law. And he says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Since Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law, the one who does these things will live by them. He says, y'all want to cling to that, you're going to be stuck with it. Because Christ fulfilled it. He brought it to an end. He didn't abolish it and wipe it away. It's still there if you want to cling to it. But Christ fulfilled it. Now we don't have to worry about that. We have to worry about him. So in verse 6, he continues to tell them, but the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Or who will go down into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. And I'm going to pause right there in verse 8. He's saying, stop you hunting around. See, everybody's looking for an answer, aren't they? How many of y'all look for an answer in your life? Yeah. I know I have. Sometimes I still find myself looking for answers. I just quit looking. It's already right there with you. You 
to go up to heaven to find Christ and bring him back down to you. You don't have to go into the eviscerations of the dead. God has already done both. God has already sent him to us, and God has already raised him. And Christ made a promise to his followers, I will send a comforter to you. We already have the Holy Spirit with us. We accept Christ and we allow the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. The answers are here. They're already here. We don't have to go hunting for the answers. All the loudness in the world, everything going on in the world. How many of you have ever heard that little small voice in your mind? A small voice come up in your heart. You can barely hear it, it's just a whisper. You almost all the noise that's around. Everybody's trying to make a name for themselves. Everybody's trying to put their voice out there. Everybody's trying to yell at you and get you to do this and get you to do that. And then there's a small voice that says, Rest. that out in the secular world. 
they look at you funny. And they don't want you to know they're true. They want you to know they are true. It comes from the author of lies and The gospel message comes from Jesus Christ. That's the real truth. And as it says, whatever's going on out in that world, whatever you're going through in life, confess and believe. Paul don't just leave that hanging out there. He tells us what it looks like in the very next verse. He says, one believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. Belief starts in your heart. You're not able to describe it. How many of you can describe belief? What's it like to believe in Christ? Almost impossible to describe because it's telling people, I believe in a man who died for my sins and was raised from the dead. I believe in a God that I've not seen with my own two eyes, though I've seen all the many miracles that he's created. You know that Jesus is the answer that you've been looking for.
he'll be glad to help you walk through that. He will be glad to help you walk through that. Verses 11 through 13. He says, For the scripture says, Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God is not prejudiced against any person. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what kind of life you've lived up to this point. It doesn't matter where you come from, what your name is. It doesn't matter where you were born, where your ancestors come from. broke the distinction between Jew and Greek. Yes, he gave instruction to go first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, but he never limited it. He himself preached to the Samaritans. He himself preached to Roman centurions who were Gentiles. What most all of us are are Gentiles. We are not. That's all that word means. It doesn't mean that we were once pagan worshippers. It doesn't mean we were once Greek. It doesn't mean that we were once Romans. It means we're not Jews. That's the only distinction. Christ said, I don't care. Salvation is available to everyone, everywhere. Every walk of life, with every path possible, and every lifestyle you think you're in, you still have the opportunity to come. What Christ has said, and Paul has laid it right out there for you. Scripture says, <coughs> "Everyone who believes on Him." will not be put to shame. That comes out of Isaiah. The Old Testament was having to reach A lot of people are scared to say that. But the Old Testament thing preached to the Gentiles. That all of them who come to God the Father will not be put to shame. That since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You might say, well, Pastor, how are we going to get the message to everybody? It comes down to that verse I shared with you last week. I want to go a little bit further, a little bit into verse 15, because verses 14 and the first part of 15, because this is the next step once you reach salvation. It doesn't matter what point in your salvation you are. If you are a new believer who has just been saved today, or if you've been saved for 50 years, this next step 
there's the next step for every single one of them. Even if you've been doing this your entire life as a Christian. But how then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Discipleship is what we call it. Jesus collected among him 12 apostles. And he had many disciples. What it means is you go out and you spread the word. You go out and you spread the word. You share with everybody who will listen. Unfortunately, the rest of 15 and verse 16 tells us that some of them are going to say no. Some of them are going to say no. But that doesn't mean that they don't deserve the opportunity. Absolutely deserve the opportunity. Picking up in verse 15. It says, As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obey the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who believes your message? Not all are going to obey. Everyone's invited. Not everybody's going to show up. We're not sharing with them. We're not doing our part. We've already gotten salvation. We've already gotten past the point where we believe and we confess. Now we're in the point to where we need to share. Starts with a simple question. Do you know Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus? You may think, oh, I'm in America. Everybody's heard about Jesus. You realize that there are a lot of videos out there. I've seen a lot over the last week of street preachers and disciples going out. And I ask that simple question, have you heard about Jesus? And people look at them and go, huh, who's that? And say, I've heard of them. Nobody's ever shared the gospel with me. I'll ask that question, have you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? And they're like, no, nobody shared it with me. Some of these people are standing in front of churches. They're in front of chapels on school grounds. But people are scared to come out of those churches and share the gospel with people standing out front. They're afraid of rejection. Some people are going to say no. Rejection is just something that's going to happen. Jesus told his apostles on their first trip out that if they don't listen to you, knock the dust from your feet and move on. They didn't say, oh, they told you no, I'm sorry, come on back. No, I said, knock the dust from your feet and move on. Some people are going to say no. They're going to reject you now. That's when you want to die. Got to start sharing it 
in our own home to start. We've got to share it with our children. We've got to share it with our friends, with our co-workers, with our family members. Definitely share it with a stranger on the street. What are they going to do? Stop talking to you? And they'll talk to you before. So you got nothing to lose there. Nothing at all. It's amazing some of those videos. One guy goes around and he just asks Bible questions. To watch these young people dig back into their childhood. They're not in church now. They don't even tell them that I haven't been in church in years. But they dig back in their Bible, in the, in the, in the Bible knowledge that they have from childhood. And there's many of them that when they walk away, they say, man, i got to get back in the Bible. There's a spark that was already there. Sometimes that's all you're called to do is like the spark that's already there.
so that we can be the message bearers on your behalf to a lost and dying world that's around us so that at any given moment we might just simply ask if you heard of Jesus and have the strength and the courage to share what you have done with for us to share what you have done with us to give our testimony of what we have come through and what we have overcome because of <coughs> your healing power. Lord, you have carried so many of us through so many things that sometimes it may seem embarrassing to talk of the things that we've come from. But give us strength to use those things as tools to share your gospel that if I can overcome death through Jesus Christ, so can you. Lord, I ask that you guide us and direct us through your will with your light on our path so that we can see those that need your light most and share that light with them. I ask that you give us that strength.